it's, you know, you really digested what you want the viewer to really get across. So keeping things simple and also, you know, trying to create your own style. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to Note Job Design. To help support our mission spread knowledge, we have a very special guest on today's episode. Let's welcome Kiran Lewis, who is a London-based freelance designer and a public speaker. Over the years, he had designed numerous self-directed and client-based projects for clients such as HarperCollins, Penguin Books, Levi's and Adobe. In this episode, Kiran had shared great insights on editorial design. We had discussed on what is editorial design and what are the classic elements of editorial design. We then spoke on how to establish visual hierarchy and balance layouts in editorial work and Kiran has explained us his process of editorial design. We then spoke about how to choose the right font and how do we explore different varieties before jumping into choosing one particular font for editorial design. We then concluded the show by Kiran recommending us few tips on how to create an editorial design portfolio. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and on every Friday we release new episodes with different creative leaders from around the world to help you better understand different concepts related to design. So don't forget to tune in into Notes of Design every Friday. With that being said, happy designing everyone. Hi, Kieran. Welcome to Nodes of Design. It's a pleasure hosting you today on our show. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? All good, Kieran. How was your day? It was good. It's um, it's 8.40 in Spain, so it's still early in the morning, but I've had my coffee, so I'm good. <laughs> I'm ready to go. That's wonderful, Kieran. If you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there. Sure. So I'm a freelance graphic designer uh, based in London. Uh, primarily, I work with editorial design, um, but I've also got a skill in marketing, branding, and UI design. Um, some of the clients that I work with are Adobe, uh, Penguin, Levi's, and HarperCollins. That's wonderful, Ken. So what was your journey into design and how did you start? And what are your tips to the beginners on how to start? Oh, that's a good question. Um, okay, we're going back a few years now. So I, I originally studied graphic design um, as my degree at university. Um, but whilst I was studying at university, I was doing a lot of self-directed projects. So I worked with a group of guys and we created a magazine in our very first year of uni. So that was kind of my real insight into how, you know, working on projects that weren't given by the lecturers, but projects we wanted to really do ourselves. Um, and whilst in my university, university's career for three years. I was also doing an internship at an advertising agency. So every summer I'd go back during my breaks and I'd work at a digital agency based in London. Um, and Ben then I would work on projects for Miss Dior and MasterCard. So like digital banners. Um, so that was my first insight into the, you know, the working world, into the experience of design. Um, and, you know, for my tips and my advice I'd give, um, you know, very much working on projects that you want to work on. You know, self-directed projects are so important. Um, it's good to work with, you know, clients and work and get given a brief and the branding guidelines, but also it's quite nice to work on, you know, those passion projects. Because for me, when you work on those projects, it really shows, you know, you know, your network and the people that you're working with, you know, that you're really interested and really invested in your work. Um, and on the back of that, also collaborating too. That's very important, you know, collaborating with your peers, you know, um, and also working with different skill sets, combining skill sets. If you're a graphic designer, work with a photographer, work with an illustrator, the network is so big. So why not, you know, utilize that space? Thank you, Kiran. So let's begin today our episode with uh, editorial design. So what exactly is editorial design and what are the classic elements of editorial design? Sure, that, that's a good question. I always feel that um, everyone's going to have a different perspective on, on what that question is. I mean, from my perspective on it, um, it's kind of broken into sort of four categories. You have typography, 
you have layout, you have format, you have production. Um, and the idea is a bit like when you would create a meal, you have the ingredients and it's how you work with those ingredients to create something, you know, beautiful and impactful. The idea, obviously, with elements that you construct it, you design it in a certain way. Um, and then the idea is usually within my line of work, it will be in the format of a book or a magazine. Um, so editorial layout design. Um, and it's basically working with those four elements to construct it in a much more impactful um, and engaging way. Yeah, so with those elements I spoke about, so typography, so firstly, this is quite an interesting one because, you know, you have a lot of different fonts that you can work with and in the space. And the idea of within my work is understanding first the content and understanding what content is appropriate for what typography. Um, so it's not a case of just picking any font. It needs to kind of feel like it's right for that content. So that's a very important part. With layout, you know, we'll touch on this shortly, but editorial design, how the hierarchy, how people, you know, view when they first look at the page, that's very important, especially if they're not from a design background. You know, you can't assume people who look at your work is from the design community. So it's important to have an understanding of how people first view a design. In terms of format, again, there's different variations of how that would be, depending on digital or whether it's print. I primarily work within the print sector. Um, so a lot of my work, I'd make sure that I'm making, uh, you know, the right colors that I work on the right print stock, understanding if it's a book, you know, what kind of binding do you use? Um, and there's so many elements to kind of work within, but understanding, you know, what is the best format for what you want to create? And then the final part, production, which is very important because once you've designed, you know, your creation on, on the computer, understanding that process. So for myself, it's very much a print process, understanding, you know, what colors work best on what print stock, understanding, you know, if you are working on a very large document, a large book, you know, the gutter space in between, so that no text is centered and it's cut off. Um, and obviously key legibility, you know, it's very important when you create a design, especially a book, it might look beautiful, but if it's not, you know, the font is the right size, then it's very difficult to read. So that that is very important. So those four main things I'd say are the kind of you know, real classic elements of editorial design. Thank you so much, Kir. So how to establish a visual hierarchy and balance a layout in editorial work? If you could explain us the editorial design process. Sure. So with visual hierarchy, we all know, it, you know that's the order of importance within design. So understanding what is the very you know, most important thing you first want to see when you first get design. Um, visual design, visual hierarchy, it does complement having a balanced layout of editorial design too. Um, however, I've always found the best way you know, to create a visually engaging, you know, clear and simple is to experiment, you know, creating variations. That's very important because, you know, when you create various designs, you're able to reflect, digest on what you, what works well. Um, and also sharing with, you know, other people, it's very easy to work within your space and almost have quite tunnel vision and just see it from your perspective. But when you create variations, you know, you can share with people, you can get their perspective on it. And then that way, once you've, you know, seen what you're working with, you can make the best possible final decision, which I always find very, very important. Thank you, Kiran. So how to choose the right font and how do you explore different varieties? Because those are the major important aspects of editorial design. That is a good question. I So a good example is I recently created a 300 page publication. So a very, very big book. So you can imagine you know, there's a lot of fonts and, and uh, typo typographic layouts and editorial designs and a lot of things happening, but for myself, the first thing I had to do was make sure understanding the mood of the content and understanding, you know, what is the real essence of this project before you do any design work. Because once you have an idea of the mood um, and the content, you're able to create the right font. And more importantly, understanding, 
you know, will this font distract from the design? Um, so within the project I worked on, it was touching on race within the UK. So it's a very sensitive, but very important topic. So I had to make sure that the fonts that I use, it wouldn't cloud over the real impactful content that everyone that was featured was really trying to get across. Um, and sometimes, you know, when you're working a project like this, there's a lot of elements, like I said, that you work with. So I tend to use Lauren Epsom, which is like dummy copy. And when I get my copy in place, it gives me an idea roughly of how things will look for the final product. So usually you might work with a copywriter, which I did within um, the publisher as well. Um, and I would give them examples of how copy would look with simple copy and with a lot of copy. And then we're able to make a really good design, uh, design choice on what would work well. Um, and also, it's there's an element of fun. You need to have fun with it. And with fonts, it's a little bit like, you know, Willy Wonka in a chocolate factory where you have all these options to kind of choose from and you think, oh, I could choose that one and that one. And again, coming back to our previous question, it's the idea of, you know, creating layouts, creating variations to sort of, you know, take a step back, reflect, understand, you know, which one will work best for that final deliverable. Thank you, Kiran. So how do you do storytelling via words and how do you establish a connection with readers via these words? That's a good question. So um, I actually recently gave a talk on this uh, with DNAD and it was covering the importance of words within design. And with words, it, it's an interesting one because it can evoke so many different emotions. The way of how you engage with the viewers and what you would say, whether it's funny, informative, inspiring, there's various emotions that can come with it. And I always find for me, you know, keeping it simple, doing the basics very well. I always find that's the most engaging because when you try to overcomplicate it, it can dilute what the real message is about. So I always find if, you know, you create um, a very strong, hard-hitting story, keeping it simple for the readers, they can be much more engaged with what you're trying to get across. Um, and also it doesn't help, you know, it doesn't hurt, I should say, to make it funny, you know, kind of create those emotions. I love a good funny read or even, you know, very informative or inspiring one. Those elements that, you know, people will remember it more for. And that's the key. I would find if you create anything, whether it's a poster or a book, you know, making sure that it's memorable. People can remember, you know, there's a lot of content that's out there for people to digest, you know, creating something that is impactful, inspiring, but also memorable. And that can be more through, you know, the evoke of, uh, through laughter and through emotion. That's very, very important. Okay, if you could explain us in detail your process of following the editorial design and what are the various things that you do? Sure. So before I do any, you know, actual computer design work, I always have my Mopad, uh, Moleskin, I should say, Moleskin slash notepad. Um, and I always draw, draw my layouts first. It's so important for me. It, it's important to have a really basic understanding of where things would sit. So before I do any computer work, I'd always draw out ideas of where things would sit using boxes and key lines and also visual research. I always do a bit of research into understanding, you know, what I'm trying to create uh, before I just jump straight on the computer. It's for me, it's important to kind of have those you know, basic foundation of where things would sit you know, what kind of design I want to create. Um, and then once you've kind of got those, you know, pieces in place, you know, creating my assets folder. So with the book that I created with the 300 pages, there's a lot of content, there's a lot of text, a lot of imagery, and it's very important to keep things in a very organized way. Otherwise it can be crazy. Um, so I, I would create my uh, asset folders for my images right up to my uh, content for each page where things would sit. And then once I've got all of my tools ready to get going, I create my InDesign document. So I create my grids, which is very important. And, you know, grids is that basic foundation that you need for any editorial design. Because once you have your grids in place, you can understand where things will be aligned, 
from imagery right up to text. And again, you know, we touched on visual hierarchy. You know, you can use your alignment tool to make sure where your eyes will follow. So all of these elements all work um, coherent with one another. You know, it's that universal space where everything kind of works in sync with one another. And touching on that as well with colour. Colour is a very important one because, again, touching on with words and how words can be quite emotive, colour can also be quite emotive as well. So there's different colours that can reflect different emotions. So, again, I with my own process, I tend not to go straight into colour. It's understanding the basic skeleton of the design. So text, imagery, layout, and once that's in a good place, adding colour is like almost adding the cherry on the cake. That's a great explanation, Kiran. Thank you so much for that. So <laughs> what are your tips to the beginners on creating an editorial design portfolio? Key for myself is, is keeping it simple. I think it's very easy to overcomplicate things, especially when you're just starting out because you want to put your best work in there. And sometimes quantity, you know, that isn't, it's quality very much. So we've, we've probably heard it many times, but that's very true. You know, when I'm looking at portfolios myself, I'd rather see, you know, four strong you know, designs rather than seven average ones. Because one, it shows, you know, from my perspective, you're, you're confident in your work, but also as well, it's, you know, you really digested what you want the viewer to really get across. So keeping things simple and also, you know, trying to create your own style. It's a difficult thing, you know, where with social media, it's very easy to compare yourself to other people. Um, and it's a natural thing. I think it's something where, you know, especially we've all been in lockdown in this whole period with, with COVID, social media has taken even more of a, of a central point for how designers operate. And when you have things like LinkedIn or Instagram, it's these platforms are great because you can share your work, but then you can also feel a bit discouraged if you see other people in your space. So I'd always say the key is to, you know, really understand your own style and it's good to take influence, but always do you always keep true to yourself and, you know, find yourself first and then your style will follow. Um, and then finally, just on that, you know, attached on this in terms of my own experience, but having a good balance in your portfolio of client-based work, but also self-directed work. Because when you have the two, it shows a variety of, of different things. But the main important thing I always find is that when you've got client work, it shows that you're able to work to a brief, you're able to understand how things operate within a certain client. But then on the other side, when you have the self-directed work, it really shows an interest in the craft, which I feel is is, is just as important because... You know, when you show that, it's something that, you know, you you can't you can't fake that. I think there's a, there's a you can always tell when people are generally interested in the passion, whether it's design or, or any other craft or any job, you can really see there's a true engagement with it. Which for me, it's very important because when you love what you do, you create your best work. That's wonderful, Kiran. Thank you so much. So could you please share with us how does your typical day look like or any interesting stories? Sure. Well, my day will always start with coffee. <laughs> it would always start with, a, with coffee and a fresh orange juice um, before I operate. And then when I'm in a good place, you know, I will be, you know, browsing through blogs, reading the news, checking, checking emails. I do tend to have a lot of emails. But the beauty of working for myself as a freelance is that I have control with my day. And that's something I've never always had. You know, as when you're working in a full time, there's obviously structure in place. Um, but for me, going freelance officially this year was was a very healthy thing mentally too. Um, so yeah, I'll start my day with a, with a good coffee. I'll be reading my blogs and my emails, um, and then every day I always do a to do list. So I try not to go straight on on the computer because I do love good old fashioned pen to paper, and it's something about ticking off your list. I it's the essence of just bringing old school. So I love to do that. Um, so I tick off my to do list for the day. 
And then once I know, okay, this is what I'm working on from nine to five, before I go on the computer, I'll go for a walk. I'm very, very fortunate where I live. There's a few lakes, a lot of countryside. So I'll go for a walk just to get my mind in the right state before it's full on computer. You know, it, it can get quite intense. So I'm in a good place. And then, and then, yeah, my, my main tools are InDesign, Photoshop, Illustrator. They're like my baby. So, uh, so then, yeah, once I've had my walk, I've had my coffee, I'm in a good place and then I can just start designing. Thank you so much, Kiran, for sharing all these wonderful insights with us. So we'll conclude the show by you recommending three favorite books of yours and also people who inspire you the most in this space. So there's a very good book that I'd recommend for, especially if you're just starting out in the creative industry. And it's called, It's Not How Good You Are, It's How Good You Want To Be. And it's a book by Paul Arden. And this is quite a, it's, it's a mixture of things. It's a, it's a very simple read, a very easy read, but it's also quite, um, quite a humorous book too. And it provides unique insight into the world of advertising. Now, it's, even though it's advertising, it touches on the creative industry as a whole. And what's great about that is that, you know, it, it gives you a real, uh, real in-depth truth of what it's like to work in the creative industry. And, um, you know, we touched on the social media where it, it, it can almost show the very shiny parts of design. But as human beings, we all have issues, we all have failures. And this book is great because it really highlights those points, which for me, that's just as important as showing the the the, the perfect parts of the design as well. It's showing the stuff that you don't necessarily always hear. So that's a very good book that I recommend for for, for young creatives out there. And also uh, two books. Um, I've actually had a part of myself in actually designing, which I'm quite fortunate is the publication I spoke about at the beginning, which is a 300-page document. And this was called Still Breathing, 100 Black Voices. Um, and this was a publication edited by Suzette Lowen and Suzanne Packer. And this publication is a very, very powerful one because it touches on what's current in the world today, which is actually you know racism, especially in the UK. And there's 100 people involved and everyone shares their experiences of what, it, you know, what they've been through um, whether it's within the sector of politics or sport or fashion, they've all got their stories in them. And you know, the idea of this book was to to go out there to educate, to inspire, and to really create a, a, an honest conversation on what racism really is in in, in the world, but more importantly in the UK. Um, <clears throat> so I'd always recommend you know that that's a very it's not an easy read, it's an intense read, but again, it's a very much needed read and a very impactful one. So. You know, for those that are, you know, following on politics and, you know, understanding, you know, this is a, a very important sector we need to address. This is a very interesting book. And the final book um, I'd recommend, again, is another one that I, I had the opportunity to work on is called Dare to Change. Um, and this was part of a project I worked with Penguin, Penguin Books. And it's, it's an inspiring piece because, again, it, it follows uh, a boxer called Lawrence Ockley. And it's, it's showcasing, you know, how he started off his career. He was, um, you know, bullied in school, but now he's a world champion boxer. So, again, you're kind of following his journey, um, an inspiring journey of how, you know, you can start from where you're at and then be where you want to be. Um, so I was quite fortunate to work on the cover. But, again, that's a very, um, it's a very lighthearted read. But it's a very inspiring one too. So I'd recommend uh, those three books. They're very different, but again, hopefully, there's one of those books that you could, you know, you could find engaging and um, you can you can pick one that you enjoy. So there's one. Uh, well, there's no multiple people, but uh, there's one person that really comes to mind, and it's Stefan Sagmeister. And he's a for those of you who don't know uh, who he is, he's a very um, he's very bold and brave. I mean, those those are quite 
two key words that you would associate with with Stefan Sagmeister and his work. Um, and quite controversial as well, which is a good thing I always find. Um, when you're on that fine line between is that too far or is, you know, that's, that's okay. Um, one particular project he worked on was an exhibition. It was called The Happy Show. Um, and The Happy Show offers visitors the experience of uh, walking through Stefan Sagmeister's mind which is a little bit like a Willy Wonka chocolate factory for designers. It's, it's crazy, it's wild, but it's also quite um, immersive. So if you, you, know, you can go on his website, you can see the, um, the exhibition that he put on. Um, and the idea is the real focal point of it was to create increase happiness via meditation. So there's different things he has happening in the, in the exhibition itself, um, which unfortunately I haven't had a chance to actually go to because um, a bit far from where I am but um, but from everything I've seen online and you can do like a virtual tour it just looks incredible so again he's someone who I you know I read to influence from and I've been following his work from when I was at university myself and everything that he creates is just from editorial design right up to digital right up to podcast covers he's just um, he's one of those guys where you know if you're a graphic designer or creative individual you you most likely would have heard his name before because he's a very very um impactful and important person in our industry so uh, yeah very much recommend checking him out thank you so much kiran for sharing all these wonderful insights and recommendations with us so we are looking forward to host you again in our upcoming episodes thank you so much for your time thank you for having me it's been a pleasure